In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. What is up, Steve? I say that every time. Yeah, we kind of got a routine there. We need to break the monotony sometime. Yeah. But it works. What, what do you want me to go like? What's up, asshole? <laughs> I don't know, fuck stick. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea. No. <laughs> no, nah, man. Not a lot going on here. Just uh, working in prep. Uh, as this episode drops, I should actually be out doing last minute things, prepping for you and Andrew to pull into the house so we can kick off the Virginia Turkey season. Yeah, man. Really looking forward to it, man. If the turkeys are doing anything like they're doing here, man, things are definitely getting underway. Um, seeing a ton of birds, man, like been putting some serious miles on the tires only, um, checking things out, kind of seeing what's going on. I'm, I'm hoping the same's down there. Oh yeah. It's gonna get it's gonna purple, get pretty ugly. Purple buds buds are uh, blooming now, and that that's kind of the key. As soon as the purple buds hit, that's when the birds get fired up. That that's the old folk legend around here. So I think we're gonna be in great shape. I'm in for that, man. Like it's just been it's been one of those things. Like obviously we're a little bit out. We don't start until the 28th, but still driving around and and seeing what's going on it's it's definitely definitely a great thing uh, i'm so pumped man i picked up a couple new farms uh finally gonna have some private land for turkey i've it's actually gonna be actually i've had it before but it was bow only so now i i got two farms that are gonna be like my personal farms that'll be able to turkey hunt so when you come up to turkey hunt opening day it'll be kind of cool man hell yeah dude looking but forward we, to it we have to get through the Virginia trip, though. That is my f- that is like the Dude. start of the year, right? That's like the the <laughs> climax to the season is is Virginia turkey season. Like, and congratulations, we, you picked the worst fucking hardest place to hunt. <laughs> I know, but you know what? It makes you it makes you work more hours if I can go there. <laughs> ooh, ooh, well, well played, well played, you know, sir. It puts you in that that predicament where like. You know, you just got to go that much harder, man. Like, we need to capitalize on it, and, and we need to make it the climax of the season where 
it it is the uh would epitome be the like no that would be a bad word i'm not no, good with no no that that's a pretty good word it's, it'd be the epitome of the season the uh the apex the highlight right. we need and that man that's that's what we need well we're we're kind of amping ourselves up because one we got last year to build off of right which we could have killed birds but didn't for stupid reasons so this year we're going to kill birds regardless right and the rest of it doesn't matter yep you know if right. we miss the shot cool i'll show you the bird after we pick it up we're just we're also do we're, we're bringing a first timer out it doesn't matter man he's going to get it dude i've worked with plenty of first timers yeah and that's what i'm saying <laughs> and you so have too so it's it's going to be extra fun cuz we're we're cutting off the limits we gave ourselves last year we're going to yeah. just go and do it whatever happens happens and in a perfect world we're going to hopefully sink a hook in someone's mouth and they're going to go down the rabbit hole as well. That's it, man. We're going to put the needle to the arm. So I'm pumped for it, dude. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a great thing and it's great to kick off, you know, the second season together and the second hunting season together and just kind of really just, just dive right in, man. It's really, you know, it's all kind of coming to me now. It's just, it's really cool to have this happen. I'm I'm really fucking excited. Actually, it's really getting to that point, man. So I'm pumped. I'm definitely pumped. So before we get too deep into this craziness, <laughs> I just want to reiterate, iterate the fact iterate. that yeah, re- <laughs> it's, it's late. Sorry. No. Um, the fact of that we have one of the best giveaways you could possibly have in a podcast, social media giveaway. I don't care what it is, man. We are giving away once in a lifetime sea duck hunt if you guys haven't heard of this or seen this yet go back on our social media check it out how to enter it's very simple buy something from a gator outdoors noyster game calls wild edge inc wicked twisted bowstrings timber tumblers broadside camo i think it's you're, all you're you're forgetting someone i'm trying to remember who anyway i do this all the time so you buy from any of our sponsors and you get yourself, oh, Ducks in the Bay. But those ones are in a special category. So with those, you get one entry for all of those. And then if you buy from us, which by this time, there's new hats out already. There's I have a couple of stickers, maybe if you're lucky. Um, you get two entries. Or if you go over to DucksOnTheBay.com and you buy something from him, a T-shirt, a sweatshirt, stickers, a hat, you get yourself two entries. So it's pretty, it's a, it's a win-win dude. And we're going to run this thing for quite a time. We got a couple of months into this. So go on over there, check it out. It'll also be up on our website, how to get on there and, and do those things. So I don't want you guys to forget about that. So go on over there and get something from our sponsors to get yourself a free hunt. You got all that COVID money laying around, put it to good use. Let's go, man. Season's about to be here, man. Out on the limb was the other one they forgot. Yes. You can go and get yourself your, your car sticks and get yourself ready for saddle hunting with out on the out wild edge um just you know all these things you guys know what these things are just go over there and buy those things man it's pretty simple man those guys make it happen for us and we're trying to give back to them and give to you all at the same time so make sure you go and check out our sponsors man go check them out and you can go to the and on the bottom is all of our sponsors Click on those links and you can go and do that. And I will make sure if I haven't already, I'm going to upload all of the giveaway things and all the promo codes on our website. So cool. Done. Nice. Bam. Well Bam. done. Yep. 
And if you guys need turkey calls, because I know turkey season is right around the corner, make sure to go over to Nor'easter Game Calls. And we've also also started a little tiny keychain thing for the tools of the trade. Uh, their calls. There is no more outdoor series calls left. Only the thin series, outdoor thin series, is on there in Slate. And then there's a bunch of box calls, little cluckers, so on and so forth. So go and check them out too, because I know it's Wait. turkey season. Yeah. And I want to say a big thanks to everybody out there who picked one of these up. We really, really appreciate the support. It goes a long ways. It helps us. It helps Mark. And we really hope you guys enjoy this year's selection of calls because they took some hours and a lot of time and a lot of back and forth to get to where they were. And I think we got something that you're going to like. So much appreciated for all of you, the bottom. The Ridge Runners over there too. Don't forget about that one. And the thing is, anybody who has bought the Outdoor Series Nor'easter Game Call, you get yourself an entry to get into this because we're going to proactive it right back to the beginning of that. <laughs> How's that? I'm going to give you an entry. So thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for supporting them. Thank you for supporting us. We really freaking appreciate it. And talking about serious support, this next gentleman is very supportive. Is that what I'm hearing in my ear? I think so. Do me a favor and crank that bad boy up. Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your crews. Uh, we're gonna start this one off with a couple of items in Wyoming. Uh, first, uh, where roadkill animals uh, will no longer go to waste after the Senate passed House Bill 95. The bill authorizes people to harvest roadkill animals as long as they obtain a letter of prior authorization from the Wyoming Game and Fish Department and plan to put the animal to beneficial use. Uh, The bill went through several drafts, and the final approved bill uh, did remove the proposed $40 fee to obtain the Certificate of Prior Authorization from Wyoming uh, Game and Fish. However, the Senate did add another amendment uh, that will not allow for the donation of any roadkill game meat to nonprofits. Uh, a little odd, but it does go along with existing state statute. Um, some species are excluded uh, from this as well. That includes bighorn sheep, grizzly bears, mountain goats, uh, gray wolves within any area where they are classified as trophy game animals. Uh, Species covered under the Federal Migratory Bird Treaty Act, uh, federally endangered or threatened species, or species where possession is prohibited by by federal or state statute or regulation. Uh, The intent uh, is with over 6,000 vehicle and big game collisions per year in the state. Uh, The bill would help residents fill their freezers and lessen the amount of wasted meat, which is great. Um, Also out of Wyoming, kind of a PSA for Wyoming shed hunters. Uh, that you should be aware of changes to the antler collection regulations for this year on public lands. These were approved uh, back in November of 2020. Um, Antler collection on public lands begins at 6 a.m. on May 1st. Uh, This includes uh, wildlife habitat and management areas in the Jackson and Pinedale regions, uh, but does not apply to some WHMAs in other parts of the state. Uh, Within the Jackson region, areas include South Park, Horse Creek, Camp Creek, and Grays River. And the Pinedale region, this includes Soda Lake, Luke Lynch, Half Moon, and Full Creek. Uh, And this also means that anglers will be able to access Soda Lake for fishing on May 1st at 6 a.m. as well. 
Uh, shed hunting will also be open on Wyoming state lands at 6 a.m. on May 1st, uh, where antler regulations apply. So, Trev, how about uh, we do something like this in Connecticut? How would you feel about having to wait till May 1st to start looking for bone in the woods? Uh, kind of crazy, but I kind of get it in these areas where you have... <clears throat> Uh, migrating herds such as the elk so on to Missouri where the Missouri Conservation Commission has approved Missouri's second annual elk hunting season Um, last year everyone filled filled the tags that were that were selected I reported on that a while back Uh, and generally it'll follow the same process as last year there will be five tags for the state, one of which uh, for a qualified landowner. Uh, there'll be a nine-day archery season from October 16th to the 24th, a nine-day firearm season from December 11th to 19th, and tags are good for both seasons and are for bull only. Um, still only open to residents through a random drawing, uh, and the cost is $10 for an application fee and 50 for a permit if you're selected in the drawing. Um, Missouri's Department of Conservation is limiting the applications to one person per year uh, with a 10-year sit-out period for those who draw a tag uh, before they can apply again. Uh, The change this year for allotted tags for qualifying landowners is that it will now be, from here on out, 10% of the total tag allotment as the tag allotments change um, with a minimum of one tag per year. So good luck to all the applicants in Missouri, and hopefully we'll see this uh, continue for years to come. So now let's head back to New York, uh, where recently uh, the recently approved 2020 budget has some hunting changes. Uh, the budget includes expanding the existing crossbow season and expanding the big game hunting opportunities to 12 and 13 year olds to encourage and expand outdoor recreation. Previously, junior hunting uh, with firearms was only permissible to 14 and 15 year olds. Uh, And starting June 2021, junior hunters 12 and 13 will be able to hunt bear and deer um, for big game, uh, along with small game and fowl. This expanded program does have an expiration of December 2023, according to the New York State Legislature. And each county legislature or board of supervisors will vote on the authorization uh, of this new youth hunting age minimum so there'll probably be more to come on that specifically uh if anyone sees anything please please send it along uh as always with any news um feel free to send along to me it'd be great reach out to mike salter on facebook or bearded underscore bowhunter 21 on instagram and with that enjoy the rest of your ride mikey mike always killing it buddy thank you man we really appreciate you once and always you are the man so and don't forget to send him news. Not your yes. nudes. He doesn't want your <laughs> nudes, bro. Go and give him some news. Tell him what's going on in the world, man. We know there's crazy shit. Just talk to Mike. Mike likes to talk to people, so make sure you send him over something. Talk to him about the things that are going on in the world of the hunting world. So, Oh, yeah. Well, we got a pretty good conversation coming up today. I know uh, we're, we brought out some different points and sides and things that he hasn't necessarily had the opportunity to talk about on other shows and previous episodes and things of that nature. So we're excited to bring this one to you guys. Especially Uh, somebody who works as hard as he does, man, the shit that he does, the time he puts in where he is, man, he's all over the place, always doing something. And, uh, he's, he's probably one of my favorites, honestly, one of my favorites. He's someone to look up to period. 
for whether, sure. Whether it's the industry, whether it's his background, what he's gone through, what he's done, what he's built, anything about it, the de- he's just a good guy to look up to. I mean, nope. no one works more hours. Nobody works more than hours. <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but man, I think we ought to just get him on and let him do work. Let's do it. All right, let's rock it. All right, we're back on the phone with Johnny Utah. What's up, brother? What's going on, fellas? Thanks Dude, for joining us, up. man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I like, I love doing these. I just like talking, uh, talking hunting. You know, <laughs> Dude, I know you just like working more hours. I thought that's it. Yeah. All, every day, every day. Stole the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, as far as the podcast game goes, man, you've been crushing it the last few weeks. You've been yeah. a busy man. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, with my travel schedule, uh, that seems to be that's what happens whenever I'm home. That's when I try to schedule these and, and bang a bunch of them out. And then, you know, no one wants to do a podcast when they're on the road, you know, from a cell phone. I hear you. It never comes in good, especially with audio and everything. It's such a pain in the ass, man. And, you know, the best places that you hunt, usually you try to not have cell phone coverage, you know. <laughs> it's so That's true. anywhere I hunt in Virginia. Yep. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Well, man, why don't we uh, turn this key, get this drive underway. Why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah. So, uh, John Mulligan nickname, I go by Johnny Utah. If you've ever seen the movie point break, then, uh, you'll get the reference there, but retired police officer did some undercover narcotic work. Um, former co-owner of wicked tree gear. And now, um, I pay my mortgage from taking photos and my show arrow wild TV and bourbon barrel game calls. That's awesome, man. I actually, I kind of want to, I do want to kind of take it back because you kind of, you struck that chord that I was going to ask about, man. And I was going to, I knew, I didn't know if you were going to go there or not, but I was going to make it go there. Um, Being, I want to bring it back a little bit and kind of tell everyone kind of what you did in the narcotics thing as being a cop, because I I don't think it's something that's talked about a lot in a lot of podcasts. No, no. Um, Yeah. So when I, before I was a police officer, one of my neighbors, he was a Metro narcotics cop in Lexington, Kentucky. And the dude just had baller stories, you know what I mean? Like, and he's like, you never talk about what you do. And um, I'm like, yeah, cause my stuff's boring. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he had cool stories. And so even when I got into law enforcement, my intent was I wanted to go into narcotics. Um, you know, you can write somebody a ticket and stuff like that, but you know, if you're putting murderers in prison and, and drug, you know, hardcore drug dealers in prison. Like to me, that's actually making a difference. And um, so that's what I wanted to do. And and it was exciting, you know? And so right off the bat, I was, uh, I had just gotten out of the police Academy and was still in my field training phase. And I made a traffic stop on a guy. The dude had 312 pounds of weed in the car. Um, Hey, he had escaped from Leavenworth prison and uh, (laughs) just a, a drug mule. And, 
So right off the bat, you know, the, the department was like, man, this dude might have a knack for, for dope, you know? And so an opportunity came open with a multi-jurisdictional drug task force that operated in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. And that unit worked with, you know, FBI and DEA and ATF. And so I threw my name in the hat and I thought, I'm not going to get it, but at least they'll know I'm interested. Right. And they were like, look, this guy's perfect because he's not from this area. Um, so let's give him a chance. And kind of like some 21 Jump Street stuff, you know. And so anyways, I got in it and and loved it. I mean, that was I could have spent my whole career just doing that. But I was uh, I was known as Sean Mullins for a little while. That was my name. And man, we, we put a lot of people in prison. Some people are still there. Yeah, nice. that's crazy, man. That's yeah. so nuts. And then what made you jump into the whole outdoor industry? Like, where did that whole like curve to go to that? Because like, you're like, yeah. crazy off the wall, full throttle, like taking yeah. down the craziest people in the world to going and doing this. Well, and I think that's the ebb and flow of life. Um, you know, everything that I did was so high speed. And I was also getting to that point where the world was just shit. You know what I mean? And everybody in it was trash. And, and I had some buddies that were starting to get into hunting because where I grew up in central Kentucky, there wasn't any whitetails when I was a teenager. So nobody was a hunter because we didn't have them. But, I mean, we fished and we frog gigged and we tipped cows over, but that's the only, that's what you did for fun. You know what I mean? So when I went to, when I got to Northern Kentucky, they had a good whitetail population as same as like Western Kentucky. So you get in that Ohio Valley area and, and the bucks were, were nice. So a buddy of mine said, Hey, let's do it. And I'm like, I jumped at it because for me, it was something to do in the woods. Drug dealers weren't going to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do it by myself. And it was a way to kind of reconnect with, not to sound cheesy, but like reconnect with nature and get out of the concrete jungle. You know what I mean? So uh, that's what I picked it up. And then that's kind of what started into the bow hunting. And, and again, it was just more of an outlet for me. And, and I ended up, um, I ended up at the, Ohio deer and Turkey expo in uh, Columbus, Ohio, outside of Columbus there. And I ended up at that show one year with a buddy and we were walking around and I came across this quirky dude named Todd Prignitz and he was peddling white knuckle production DVDs. And, and I picked up one of his DVDs and I'm like, this is, this is dope. You know what I mean? Like the dude's telling the story of hunting, not just the kill of hunting. And, and he just passed 170 inch buck. Like, who does that? Right. So him and I became buddies. We hit it off. And then, like I said, you know, we co-owned wicked tree gear together. And then I ended up coming on board back in 2013 with white knuckle productions. That was my first uh, hunt that was filmed with those guys. So that kind of gave me the start into networking with the partnerships and, you know, coordinating the show layout and, and, you know, even the wicked tree gear process, taught me a lot about the industry from that side. So I got to see the industry from both sides of the fence, which I think gave me a huge kickstart and allowed me to learn so much more about this space and how you're supposed to operate in it and how important those friendships are and the relationships and doing the right thing. Um, Because like a lot of guys, they look at the outdoor industry from the outside and they're like, dude, it's huge. No, it's small. Like it's super small. Like oh, people, yeah. 
people have no idea actually how small it really is. And everybody knows everybody. Like everybody, like <laughs> everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs> Everybody's got dirt on everybody. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of those industries. Like you just you got to keep your nose clean. Some more than others. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's some. There, hey, there's those speeding tickets out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to be careful for those. But you know, there's there's things that people have done, and and some people do it the right way. You know, they get jammed up in some stuff, but they get in front of it, mm-hmm. and they fall on the sword, and and life is good. And then there's the other people that you know choose to go about things differently, and and you know they. Lip. Live second lives. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So it's it's sketchy out there. It's, it's yeah. Tough. Yeah. It's like it's like being in the concrete jungle all over. Hunk it up. is. A lot of it is, man. I'm like, wait, I got out of this job. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm right back in it. It's just a new drug. You know what I mean? You're just like the undercover guy running through the ATA. Like, oh, who's who? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny because even after when I got out of policing and, and I got to doing this stuff, there were people that thought, is he still undercover? And I'm like, what am I? Who am I snitching on? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> What's there in a narc on? <laughs> yeah. I just saw so-and-so uh, shoot a Matthews, but he's sponsored by elite. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not snitching on nobody. I'm not a cop anymore. You know? I'm just here living my life. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm done with that. You know, I'm trying to, and you know, that was the other thing with bow hunting is I associated a gun with the badge. Um, Now I have been a strictly bow hunter um, for 12 years, 13 years, something like that. But when I got out of policing, it was like a further reminder. I don't want to do any gun hunting. I don't have anything against guns. It's just the guns remind me of my old career. And, and um, now I've been separated for about five years from guns. And I start remembering like, man, I kind of miss doing like speed drills. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and I, re- I missed that training. So recently I was able to hook up with Kip Campbell at Red Arrow Weapons mm-hmm. and signed a deal with Kip. And um, I've got a hog hunt coming up in a couple of weeks and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to, uh, It'll be fun to, to to run some drills with the AR again, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like riding a bike, dude. You're going to be doing tuck and rolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My buddy's going to be like, dude, they're just hogs. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Watch watch your six. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> the PTSD is going to kick in. Yeah. And- <laughs> I'm breaching the door. He's like, there's no door. We're in the middle of the woods. <laughs> I'm like, careful, flashbang. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nothing wrong with that running man. king drills on pigs you're right right fire he's gonna shit when i start dropping kim lights you know but... <laughs> yeah it'll be fun that's awesome man yep. that's I, so so how's your turkey season going man going good you know i set the goal to try to get another grand slam single season grand slam again and uh went down to florida same as I did last year, actually on a photo shoot, but I brought my bow and camo mm-hmm. and uh, take a few photos and everybody's like, where's John? And I'm like, Pshoom. you know what I mean? I dip off into the timber and, and went and reaped one down there. So I got the Osceola out of the way. And um, so now I'm in a little bit of a downtime, but getting ready to head to South Dakota next week um, yep. and start chasing the Miriam out there and go for bird number two and then Texas bird number three and then come back to Iowa for bird four. So nice. was it was it a little bit tougher to get to get your Osceola the second time? Uh, 
Um, because the last time you got it in your first day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one I got on the second day. Um, the weather was horrible, so you know most easterns and and Miriams and and Rios. I, in my opinion, they don't they don't react to the weather changes as much. And Osceola, it dropped to fifty degrees, and those birds like. They shut up. They don't gobble. They don't do nothing. They roost till stay on roost till like ten o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was super weird. Um, so the first day that I snuck out, it was fifty-one degrees. It was raining and it was windy. I mean, any turkey hunter knows that's an appetite for disaster. You know, nothing's <laughs> going to happen. So it sucked, um, and I was I was kind of worried because I only had two days to hunt there. Right. So I was like, oh crap, now it's all on, it's, you know, the last day, which for me was a Monday. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, this is going to be tough. Like, John, why do you do this to yourself? And then I start thinking, I get in my own head and I'm going, well, if I don't get the Osceola, that's it. There is no grand slam, like right out of the gate, it's over. So I'm like, shit. But uh, yeah, I was lucky, lucky to get it. I had some, I had a couple of buddies of mine down there. Uh, a couple of the guides that were there, they actually went out with me. And we found, we found a farm that we had access to. We spotted the birds. We snuck out there with some reaping pans. And it was a total team effort. I mean, it was like, okay, you flank this way. You present the fan over here. I'm going to lay back. And, and we just coordinated it. And then I shot the bird. And everybody just kind of looked at each other. And I said, that shit should have never happened. Like, ever. In a million <laughs> years, we could never make that happen the way that it happened. Um, so I got lucky, you know, I really did. That's awesome. And yep. so, so what's your, your next, your next attack on the next bird? So like South, uh, South your- Dakota, black, yeah. Go to back to the black Hills. Um, and that was a one day hunt last year. So, um, I hope those birds are still roosting in the same area because I don't have any other Intel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like uh, that. Jump on site and find a bird. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what my, my buddy asked me, he says, where are you going to, whenever you go to South Dakota, like in the Black Hills, where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm going back to the same place. I dropped a pin where I shot the bird last year. And if they're not there, then I guess I'm hiking, you know, Oh yeah. To find them. So we'll see, but hopefully, hopefully they're still in that general vicinity and, and I can get on them and, and get on them quick and, get down to texas oh yeah that's yeah. crazy that's Wishing and what you made you on that <laughs> yeah the black hills are not an easy place no. to just go trek through <laughs> no no it's not it's not but man it's so cool so much history there with all the monuments and mount rushmore and deadwood and you know crazy horse and all that stuff it's just a oh cool yeah area. which one do you think is probably the easier of them to hunt um so by default I would say Easterns, but that's just because I know where all my Easterns are on all the farms that I hunt. (laughs) Now, in general, in my opinion, I think the Eastern Turkey is the hardest bird to kill. Um, And I don't know if it's just because they get hunted so hard and they just adapted, they become a little smarter. I mean, you know, they have a brain the size of my pinky nail, but smaller than that, but they're the dumbest smart bird ever. But, um, Miriams get talked around of being the easiest bird to kill. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the numbers. Cause it seems like when you get into them, you get into a lot of them. Um, so there's that. Um, Osceola's for me are tough because of the geographical location. You know, there's only one place you can go and kill them, right? You got, you got to go to Florida. 
and the landowners have gotten really hip to the game and they know that. So, you know, if you see one, like on the side that you're driving down the road and you see a, you know, an Osceola strutting out in this farmer's field and you knock on the door nine times out of 10, he's going to tell you, yeah, I don't care if you go kill him. It's $500. Yep. They know the value. Oh. Yep. They know the value and, and the outfitters have, have jumped in on it. You know what I mean? The outfitters have jumped in and, and gobbled up so much ground. So, oh, yep. that's cheating. <laughs> that's not even fair. Trev, what, what, I know. I know. What would you tough. do, Trev, if all of your old ladies with the bird feeder started charging you? <laughs> I'd be pissed. How would I kill turkeys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be. And bad. that is a strategy because a lot of people do feed turkeys. So, if uh, if you can get close to a piece of private, you know, that feeds turkeys, you know where they're going to be. You can oh, yeah. whitetail hunt them, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of the times when I'm hunting them, I mean, up here, it's it's more of an urban area, right? So uh-huh. we just literally, I do a lot of road hunting and I just find some old lady that's feeding them underneath the bird feeder and the hens are there. And you just try and either A, cut them off in the morning before the, the toms go down to the hens, or you just yeah. wait for them to get there and try and call them back into public land. But yeah. I, it is what it is. I call it cheating, call it whatever you want. I mean, it's fair game. It's fair game. Yeah. It's legal. I, I call it being observant to your surroundings and capitalize <laughs> on it. You know? Adaptation. <laughs> yep. Yep. For sure. <laughs> so, so what made you want to do a slam again? Sorry, Steve. No, you're good, brother. Um, you know, for a lot of the same reasons that I got into turkey hunting was there wasn't anything else going on after shed season. And it was like, all right, well, let's let's try this turkey hunting thing. And then after the first year, I'm like, this turkey hunting thing's kind of fun. <laughs> you know, I like it. Um, the big motivation for doing it last year was bourbon barrel calls. You know, I wanted to create right. a lot of content. I wanted to be out there. And I kind of needed to set a goal for myself to push myself to try some different states. But again, what people didn't know is I hadn't released the aluminum, the slate, and the copper call yet. So that's the calls that I took with me to prototype and test um, and make a few tweaks and changes along the way. Once I knew that I could kill birds with all my calls, then I felt comfortable selling them, right? And um, so that was kind of the main reason why I wanted to do it last year. And... I, you know, after I got it done, I immediately was like, okay, never doing that again. That was a one and done. You know what I mean? Wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm the, I'm the John Calipari, you know, UK basketball program, one and done. That's it. But um, then I had one person said, ah, you got lucky. I bet you can't do it twice. <laughs> and I was like, man, why are you going to call me out like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, well, screw it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm only going to be, um, I may not be able to do this kind of stuff forever. Right. So I was like, screw it, man. I had a lot of fun doing it. Let's try to do it again. Right. And one piece that I, I want to jump back to is last year was a unique year on top of it, you know, dealing with COVID losing oh, some yeah. of your ability to bounce around and go to where you wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's your your feeling and situation this year not having that same pressure? Um, you know, I'm still going to go back to all the same areas that I did last year. I'm still bypassing Nebraska um and Kansas and stuff and and nothing against 
people that go to Nebraska to kill their birds, you know, to kill a Miriam or a Rio or something like that. Cause you can technically, you could get both species in the same state. Right. Right. Um, if you talk to the purist, you know, the Turkey purist will say it's not a real Rio and it's no. not a real Miriam. It's a crossbreed. Um, yep. So they say it's a hybrid. Um, so, you know, by default, I was going to go to Nebraska last year, but because of the pandemic shit, then I didn't get to go there. And it forced me to, you know, go for a real Miriam and a real Rio. (laughs) Um, So it kind of, you know, the way it worked out, I got to pound my chest a little bit harder. Right. But um, yeah, I'm going to go back to the same spots. Um, Like I said, I love South Dakota. um, And, and, and I've got a good buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Ward, uh, he owns a company called Musket Powder. It's a seasoning company, and and he's a, he's one of my best friends. And he lives outside of Fort Worth, and it, he's got a he's got a big ranch, and he's got a lot of hogs, and he's got some turkeys. And it's just good to go hang out with him, you know, for a week and go shoot stuff, whether it's a bow or a gun. So I'm like, ah, screw it, let's go back to Texas. Hell yeah, can't blame yep. that. Now I don't know where I'm going to do my Eastern at if I'm going to do it here in Iowa or in Kentucky. Um, so I've got a photo project down in Kentucky during their opening weekend of their Eastern you know, season. So, you know, I usually don't travel without a bow. So I might, <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. So I might just, <laughs> while I'm down there, like, ah, screw it. Let me get a non-resident tag and get you one of those. Well, Hey, if you can check the box while you're there, you're good. If not, you always got exactly. home to fall back on Yep. Yep. Last year I wanted to do it in order and finish it off, you know, in my home state. Um, that's not really a, a big thing for me this year. It's just more of just getting it done this year. You know what I right. mean? And you know, Hey, if I shoot one in Kentucky, it's not like that wasn't one of my home states, you know, at some point. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yep, it's still be, point of origin. Yeah. Yep. It'd still be cool. Well, I definitely want to bring you. Oh, go ahead, oh, Steven. You're good. I'm not you're gonna good. do it again. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> One downfall to Zoom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just gonna say, going back just a quick touch on last year. Mm-hmm. Not only did you get the slam, you did it in an unplanned manner. It yeah. was all haywire and last minute. Yeah. But you were yeah. one of how many people that pulled that off last year? One. Exactly. Yep. The one nobody else did it. You were the one and only that ever got a slam last year in 2000. Yep. According to, yeah. According to NWTF. Yeah. I was the only person to register a single season grand slam in 2020. And according to them, I will be the only person to do it with a bow back to back years. Yep. So So. when you said pound your chest, I'm going, okay, you made the purists happy, but let's get down to the real tax matter here. Yeah, you were the yeah. only one to do a period. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so that's so that that's was pretty bad. that was cool. Yeah, that was neat. And uh, actually, ironically, oh shit, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so they actually just sent me all of my all of my pins and and stuff like that. So yeah, which I get those all framed up, and you know, at some point here and. Um, my taxidermist is actually, he's working on the mounts. He's, he's got the Osceola is done. It's drying. So he's getting ready to start on, um, I guess he'll start on the, uh, Rio next. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up to get all four of those birds. We're actually, we're doing like a dead hanging pose. 
So they'll okay. all be like hanging from a piece of wood, like on the wall. And just like, they're all hanging by their feet. See, now but I always said, that, I always said, if I was going to do it and could get the slam all in one year, mm-hmm. I would actually do a floor pedestal mount in the same shape as NWTF. Oh yeah. That's cool. That's super cool. But yeah, they, and I've seen some of those where it's, um, they do it like they do all four birds, like in a box, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's pretty cool. My wife would kill me if I take up any more floor <laughs> space right now. So I got, everything's got to go on the wall. I hear you there, man. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. What does it take to register? Because I like, do you send in pictures or how do they, how do you go about doing that? If somebody was going to do that? I think it is. Um, well, you just did four of them. You shouldn't have to think about it. <laughs> You're doing well, no, it again. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I have the sheet right here. Uh, like you have to like send in pictures and all that. Uh, you have to, um, you have to measure them um, and you have to have a witness mm-hmm. and uh, to verify, you have to include all of your tag numbers dnr you know confirmation numbers and all that stuff uh but they want weight beard length spurs um you have to list the county and the state the date and time the weapon and i want to say it's 15 or 20 bucks a bird um but you also have to be an nwtf member as well i think that's like 60 bucks so um yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. Hundred, well, I was already an NWTF member, but I think it's like sixty or sixty-five dollars to register the birds. Nice, that it's ain't bad. bad at all. No, no, um, it's it like cool to, cool to make a donation, you know. Yeah, it's like entering a Pope and Young or a Boone and Crockett. You got to do the same exact thing. So yeah, it yep, doesn't make yep. no difference. That we do that for conservation every year anyway. So exactly, yep, it doesn't make no difference, man. Yep, but not only you're not only a I, you just had something released also that was kind of cool. I thought was pretty badass was the knock on um, calls, which yeah. is pretty cool for bourbon barrel. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge step in one year's time of kind of, yeah. yeah, why don't 100%. you go into that, man? What, what bourbon yeah. barrel calls are kind of just kind of spit that for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, coming from Kentucky, um, you know, I wanted to come up with something that paid a little roots, you know, uh, homage, you know, back to the, back to the hometown and stopping grounds. Um, I like bourbon. So, um, and, you know, a lot of people don't know this. My degree is actually in horticulture. So um, I love the fact of making something reclaimed out of wood versus cutting down a green tree. You know what I mean? And there was just a lot of cool things that came into it. And so we started, or I started this, this company, Bourbon Barrel Calls. And I thought, you know what, man, if it, if I sell 50 or 60 calls, it's like a hobby call maker, you know, it, it offsets some tag costs and it's fun and stuff like that. But, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I don't do anything half-assed. And if I do it, I'm in it to win it. And I want to divide and conquer and I'm really competitive. So we ended up finishing last year at around 500 calls uh, for the year. And then we've already passed that in three months this year. So nice. Congratulations, yeah, bro. That's yeah, huge. It's exploded. And um, I sent John Dudley a call. John and I have, have met before in groups of people and we had mutual friends, 
Um, but a mutual friend of ours, John Barklow, who's a product designer, equipment yep. designer at Sitka, uh, him and Dudley are super tight. And so he kind of brokered the collaboration, you know, m- you know, mashup between us. And, and I sent him a call and, and he could, he picked up the phone and called me direct and was like, bro, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, I want to make knock on, a knock on version. So we put our heads together and we collaborated on some design features and how we wanted to do it. And, and we really made a custom piece that was straight for knock on archery. And even on the outside of the box, we even redesigned the logo and incorporated some stuff for him on a tin box and, and ended up with a really sweet piece. And, and he bought, um, I think he bought a hundred and of those or hundreds, 106 of those, um, and sold out in three days. Oh yeah. Wow. The knock so, on nation is strong. <laughs> it's like That's a crazy. cult. And I say oh. that in a, I say that in a nice way, he's got a cult following. So, um, the guy is super intense. Um, especially when it comes to aero flight, holy <laughs> crap, is he intense, but oh, yeah. super smart guy. You know, you can always tell the wheels are turning and that was just a, it was a cool collaboration to do. And, um, and it was, and it was good for bourbon barrel calls too, because it, it tapped into his audience. And, and so it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. That's huge, Thanks. man. Especially in yeah. a year's time and pushing out that many calls to you. That's, that's huge. And I think they're awesome. I think it's, it's totally something different and yeah. definitely capitalize on something awesome. So especially coming yeah. from Kentucky of all places. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's been, it, it has been super cool. And, and there's some other, there's some other new things that are in the works right now that um, it's, it's going to, it's going to be another cool little byproduct of bourbon barrel calls. And uh, it should be set to launch this summer. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I, awesome, I have man. to ask, we'll keep our eyes out for that with, yep. with Dudley being a former Hoyt guy. Yeah. It was a little you, awkward being a Hoyt guy. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go over? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty to funny. Sell you. <laughs> no, no. He, and, and I was surprised. I thought, Whenever, uh, cause I went to his, to his office and we hung out, we recorded a podcast and stuff, spent the day together. And I thought he was going to try to get me to switch over, you know, to PSE. He's doing some really awesome things with PSE and made a lot of improvements to their, you know, to their system oh, yeah. program. And, um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't try to convert me at all. And, and, but it was funny. Cause even when he said, well, he's like, wait a second, you're shooting Hoyt now. Hmm. Okay, so over here is where we do our logistics area. And it was just kind of, <laughs> yeah, he shot right past it, man. And, well, I, I know yeah. he did a really good job at the separation when he transitioned. You know, he kept the relationships. It wasn't, there was no animosity, no bad blood. It was just a business decision. Yep, so, yep, yep, I, very much so. Um, yeah, and, he, and he's, you know, obviously he still has a lot of partnerships with Easton and right. you know, stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Well, switching gears on you. And uh, we're going to go from land to sea. Yeah. Got to come up to my neck of the woods and do a little <laughs> bit of real fun up there on the Potomac. I did. I did. Nice, nice play on words. Some real fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I went and did a photo shoot. Uh, you know, growing up in Kentucky, it was all bluegill and farm pond catfish. You know, I caught a three pounder and I thought I was kicking ass, you know. And <laughs> then I went and did a photo shoot. Uh, for a client of mine that's in uh, Mechanicsburg, Harrisburg mm-hmm. area. But we went down to Alabama 
uh, did the shoot down there and they let me cast a few times and I actually caught, you know, caught a fish and, and I ended up catching like it was a 41 pound blue. And I thought, man, that's a whole lot bigger than those farm pond catfish I used to, you know? <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's kind of neat. Uh, but that was kind of the end of it. It was just a cool, cool thing to do. And I thought it was a one-time gig. Then I ended up getting a call from CR boats and I, I did the photo shoot, the catalog for all of the new CR boats uh, that are coming out. Then I get a call from Cat River Anchors. Then I get a call from the Cat Masters Tournament Series. And so now I'm the resident photographer, you know, for the Cat Masters Tournaments. So now I've been going to all these tournaments and I'm taking photos of all these dudes pulling these giant catfish out of their live wells. And, you know, you start getting the bug, right? You start oh, yeah. seeing it. And I'm like, damn, I want to do that. So I was talking to my friends, Leslie and Troy, and they run a nonprofit called Heroes Outdoor Therapy. And I was talking to them and I said, how cool would it be if this bow hunter guy goes catfishing? And they were like, oh, you should totally do it. And I'm like, no, no, no I'm just kind of joking. Like, I'm just, you know, haha. And they're like, no, no, like, you know, maybe you should. And I thought, you know what? That is so different than anything that I've ever content I've ever put out there. Hell, let's see how it goes. Well, one thing led to another, you know, people in the catfishing community heard that I was thinking about doing this episode. Next thing I know, Catch the Fever Rods is reaching out, Livingston Lure is reaching out, Cast King and Tackle Bandit and Nocturnal Nation Hooks. And I'm like, ah, damn, you know, I wish the hunting industry was like this. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a niche industry. Yep, they, yep. They'll support it. Yeah, yeah. And so... We put the plan together and I took all of my hunting stuff to go to Florida. I actually flew into Harrisburg first mm -hmm. and then we jumped on the Potomac and we jumped around. I think it's called three sisters in yep. that area by Georgetown college. Yep. And uh, that was kind of our hot spot, but we jumped out of there on the water and I said, Hey guys, this is a total experimental thing for me. I'm not throwing a bunch of money at it because you know, everything that I do has to stand on its own two feet but I am willing to throw a couple of grand at this and see if it works out. And I allowed us two days of filming. And in four hours, I couldn't lift my left arm. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm done. I got enough content. We're good. Oh yeah. You know? So I had a blast, got a new personal best, ended up catching almost a close to 53 pound blue wow. and a bunch of forties. I mean, I think I broke my personal best like seven times that day, <laughs> but uh, topped out at almost 53 pounds. And yeah, we, we had a, had an absolute blast and the episodes doing, doing well. Um, I did a second follow-up episode, which is just a gear dump episode. Right. And that one's actually doing better than the fishing episode. <laughs> well, you know why, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, because like especially like me, I'm the same way, and I have a question I'm going to get to in a second. Yep. Is you guys did so well? Granted, you're on one of the best rivers for blues there is. Right, there in, right. There in the James, you're not going to get better blues. Yep, yep. And anyone who disagrees can kiss my ass. <laughs> but you did some things in there different with your rig uh -huh. that had. You know, it's it piqued my interest because everything I did is about yeah. the same, with exception to one big thing. Yeah, and that yeah. was using the uh, the Livingston lure as your float. Yep, kind of a Carolina rig, and yeah, uh, definitely doing something a little bit different there. That was a big secret that Troy and Leslie had taught me, 
And I got to see it in action last summer uh, down on Lake Wheeler in Alabama and giant blues down there. You know, every, anything that feeds off the Tennessee River in Alabama is, is hot. But I got to see that set up then. Um, so we, we used it, you know, in D.C. And it was about 85 to 15, 80, 20. Because I had some of my poles rigged up without it and some with it. Gotcha. But it was definitely 80-20 were hitting on the Livingston. Um, so that was kind of letting the cat out of the bag. That was kind of a secret that Leslie and Troy <laughs> fired doing. a lot of people up by doing that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm picking a few up. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that was pretty funny. And, and, and I told them, I said, how come, like, you guys have never put out this information? And they were like, ah, we thought about keeping that secret. But, you know, we kind of wanted to throw you a bone. And it now, after the fact, I'm actually realizing how big of a secret it was. Oh, and, yeah. Yep. So I had a buddy today, he lives in Kansas. Um, he just sent me a picture of, uh, he, he picked up two of the Walking Boss tournament series lures from Livingston. He, he sent me a picture of it and he's like, this shit better work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've heard people using rattle traps and a couple other things similar. Yeah, like the Demon Dragon and yeah. stuff like that. Yep. The way, I mean, you're literally two birds with one stone with the Livingston. Yeah. Yeah. You get that audio, the audible deal as well. And, um, using it as a float. And like I said, I just tell everybody just keep it within about six to eight inches of your hook. Um, because they might go after the Livingston. (laughs) Now, real quick for everyone listening, that's not watching the video side, explain Mm -hmm. what a Livingston is. Yep. So a Livingston lure, um, it's similar to like any other kind of crankbaits or, you know, lures like that. Um, Livingston, when they send it, um, it's got three eyelets and you're going to have treble hooks on all three. You just pop off those treble hooks and you're running your leader through the eyelets that completes the circuit. And once you complete the circuit like that, it runs a series. Um, it runs a sequence of sounds and the ones I like to use like the pro sizzle or the walking boss, um, they put off a shad sound. So if you don't know what a shad sounds like, it's almost like, almost like a rattle, you know, like a rattlesnake. It just kind of sound. Yeah, that was and, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And once it gets in the water, that's what it sounds like. And man, those big cats, man, they can't resist it. Oh, so yeah. Kind of, it's, you know, you're using, like I said, you're using it as a float. Um, you know, I think we were using like 12 ounce, I had like one 12 ounce coin tinker that I was running out there. Water was running pretty good. Oh yeah. Uh, when we were there. So, um, and we were running some, you know, skipjack or some sucker fish or whatever bait, you know, we had on there, but, um, you know, you got, you got bait and you got that audible sound, um, with the Livingston lures. I mean, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, you find a good seam there off a ledge and and you Game get on. right in that feeding area. Yeah, they can't stand it. They have to come check it out. Yeah. Uh, you guys did a really good job on the video walking, a, like you were saying, right there on that ledge. Yep. And yep. Had, how to play that. I know a yep. lot of folks, especially down here, that, you know, they're bank fishing and things. They can't be real selective. Right. But if you have that general idea of where those holes are yep. and you add that sound into the matter. Yeah. Like you said, it's no longer just a scent drift. Yeah. Pulling from well, 360. Exactly. And that, and, you know, I, I think like 
like Leslie, I think initially she thought I was just kind of being silly when I, I talk about, you know, I was trying to explain to people watching the video um, when I made the correlation between the bedding area and the feeding areas and stuff like that. Well, I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah, But I mean, it makes sense because, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm a bull hunter. I don't know shit about fish. I'm, I'm learning about fish, but compared to what I know about deer, I mean, I'm yeah. an extreme novice. So I kind of wanted to make it an analogy to, so people would understand why we were using the livings and why we were, why we were hitting those seams the way we were. Um, and you'd find it, you know, if we'd park on a seam, depending on what direction that it would fall, either the right side reels were getting hammered or the left side reels were getting hammered, you know? Yep. So and it just all depends on, on, on where you were. Now I, I did want to ask real quick, did uh -huh. you have any lines tangle on you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you guys about, quite a few lines out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I had I had one really good bird's nest myself on casting, and uh, that's the first time I had used um, the slime line, mm -hmm. which is tough as nails. But man, that stuff's elastic almost, you know. Yeah. Um, so I screwed up one time on it. I kind of fat thumbed. And didn't get my thumb, you know, on the line. I thought I was on the line, but I wasn't tech gloves on. That was just my mistake. I mean, <laughs> it all happens to all of us, right? But um oh, yeah. and then I did have one good tangle one time. I had one of those blues, man. He hit on the right side. And you know how you do the Yeah, you try to cross your poles. Yep. Yep. And it, we ended up going from the far right to the far left. So that was we crossed seven poles before I got him in the water. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you ass, you're a dick. You know what I mean? If you're going to catch me. You're going to work for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did. We did. And he wasn't even that big. I mean, it was like one of the 30 pounders, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, I had a few tangles here and there and, and that was something new for me. Um, you know, just learning that process and trying to, you know, guide them in, in the right way. And, Plus we had some drift socks and trying to avoid all that kind of stuff. And oh yeah. So it was a learning curve for me. But and I asked Troy and Leslie, I said, Hey, how bad was it? And they're like, <laughs> obviously you're new to rod and reel fishing like that in that style, but your other experiences in life, it was actually impressive. Like you you climbed learning curve pretty damn fast. Oh yeah. Um and I attribute a lot of that to just being at the cat masters tournaments and listening to those anglers that follow that deal. And Hey, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll say it full disclosure. When I went to the first cat masters tournament, I'm like, cat fishing, come on. They ain't Kevin Van Dam. You know what I mean? Like these ain't bass guys, you know? And I was like, these guys out here running those bank poles and you know what I mean? Dude. Those guys know what's up. Those are some of the best anglers that I've been around. Those guys are sharp, really sharp. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I was impressed. Um, I have a lot of respect for those guys. And, you know, the bass world, oh, let's face it, in every industry, there's nice guys, there's assholes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, bass fishing to me is almost like the Formula One. Dude, I'm, I'm NASCAR. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> The, the catfish community, they've been such awesome people. They've been really, really nice. And um, there's some really good dudes in it and good girls, you know, uh, equally. 
it's it's crazy because the fishing industry has its own little pockets of itself. So like yeah. and those guys are just like I, the bass fishermen. Like you, when you're growing up, who did you look up to? Bill Dance, Jimmy yeah. Houston, so on and so forth. Do you think bass fishing is the greatest thing now? And the modern bass fishing, you're like get out of here yeah. <laughs> it's like you said formula one and you start to get yep. down to the nitty-gritty of some of the cat fishermen and for me it's salt water so there's like uh-huh. it's a totally different world man and listening to you i don't really know much about cat fishing but listening to it it's like uh-huh. it's pretty badass all right it's we're definitely we're gonna drag trev on the shenandoah when he gets yeah. down here for turkey <laughs> yeah there you so, go there you yeah. go get a little taste of it no it's definitely cool and going back on that like like you were saying with the 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 lures and stuff and the sounds that follows along with a lot of different fishing species so Mm -hmm. like for us like striped bass fishing we use uh we use um this big uh they're like big rattles and it's the same thing and they they go on there and it sounds like a lobster so when you're when that lures moving or the 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 baits moving it sounds like a lobster and it just kind of like keys that bait so it's kind of cool to hear it that it goes into catfishing also and that people use it for different different fishing series yeah and they're and they're so sensory you know as it is so i think it um it's like throwing a snort wheeze or throwing a grunt you know at a big buff that's pissed off you know what i mean it just it sometimes it'll tip them over the edge Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, man. And, and, you know, even like say a company like catch the fever rods, they came on board and, and they sent me two of their rods and aren't even out yet. I'm the only person in the United States that has these rods. Wow. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not a catfishing pro angler, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but he was like, what the hell, you know, Let's are you going to take to it? You think you're going to do a lot more of it now? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So as, <laughs> as a bad joke, habit. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and it fits perfectly because, uh, the majority of those big blues, that's like December to March. Yep. Mm-hmm. Only thing I'm doing is trade shows mm-hmm. at that point. So it's like, uh, well, hopefully we get back to trade shows, right. but, um, yeah. And then in the summer, you know, it's just kind of food plots, trail cameras, you know what I mean? Things are kind of calm for me, hit a couple of total archery challenges, but yeah, go out fishing at night for some big flatheads. You know what I mean? Like, I'm all about it. So there will definitely be a lot more catfishing. But after I caught that uh, 52 pounder, <laughs> you're done. I was I was scheduled because the way my schedule went was the Potomac, Florida, and then Alabama for the Cat Masters Classic. And so I caught that 53 pounder, and I had just put him, released him back in the water. And I grabbed my phone and Leslie's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm calling, I'm calling Brian. So Brian St. Ama is the owner director of the cat master tournament. And I said, uh, I get his voicemail. I'm like, Hey, Brian, it's, it's Mulligan, man. I got bad news. I'm not going to be able to take photos of the tournament next week, uh, but I'll still be there. <laughs> I'm entering, I'm entering a boat. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that bag. I'm going to get in your pocketbook a little bit. So <laughs> Yeah, he, he thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I, look, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I know I've got a lot to learn in it. Um, but, man, I'm having a lot of fun learning. It's cool. Oh, yeah. You think that you'll take it to other species of fishing, or are you just going to stay with the catfishing world? Uh, well, I picked up fly fishing two years ago, yep. and, and I've been doing that a lot. I've been out west. Um, you know, I've fished the uh, Gallatin. I've fished, you know, Idaho and whatnot and then i fish some local stuff in iowa and we've got some pretty good trout streams up in northeast iowa so um 
Yeah, I, I might li- I might limit it to catfish and bluegill, or I mean catfish and trout. <laughs> I was um, gonna say catfish and yeah. bluegill. You really set your bar high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my boys they like catching some bluegill. We've got a pond here close to the house that um, I hook up with the local DNR, and and he's got permission to hunt this farm pond here. And so, anyways, he's got a young boy, and I've got my young boys. So. Um, yeah, we'll probably do some of that this summer, you know, but, uh, I just like to get them, get their hands dirty and have to bait their own hooks and that kind of stuff. You oh, know? Yeah. Yep. yep. So bring it back um, to the nitty gritty, man. That's where it all starts for the little ones. That's right. That's right. So yeah, they enjoy the heck out of that. So yeah, I, I think I'll definitely be doing more of it. We'll see. If I was just time a- it right. And you come out and you hit the Harrisburg show next year. If it's over. yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're already there. Right. Right. So you know, it's just yeah, one that'd be the way to go to drag your ass up here to that show too. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I love that show, man. It can be a real bear to work it oh, uh, yeah. nine days, but um, no, I, I like the area and, and that's actually something Leslie and Troy and I, we talked about is um, next year. I actually might do a bourbon barrel booth uh, slash arrow wild booth. And then while I'm there, then just close down shop after the show and, and then just fish for two or three days on either hit the Susquehanna or mm-hmm. hit the Potomac or something like that. Definitely. That's awesome. Yep. That'll be a good time, man. Oh, I was yeah. trying to open the door. If you wanted to come up saltwater fishing that, you yeah. know, not that far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, hey, it's all fun for me. Um, well, even like striper fishing, you know, I'm looking at, I've got two brand new striper stealth rods over here that catch the fever set. So I'm like, huh. Never caught one of those, but I've got three hundred dollars in rods over here. <laughs> Bring it so, up. We'll, we'll break your 40, guy. We'll break fifty-three pounds for you. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think so. I've got a video project coming up with them, and at towards the end of May, and uh, we're going to hit like the Chesapeake area and, and do oh, some yeah. stuff out there. Yep. So, so you keep referring back to like video projects and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Why don't you tell everybody kind of what you're talking about, like what you do? Cause that's yeah. like your whole realm of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so obviously bourbon barrel calls, that's one of my companies that I own and operate arrow wild TV is any traditional hunting show. I work with partnerships and provide photography and produce, you know, hunting content. And then my third company, um, is Johnny Utah creative and Johnny Utah creative was uh, set up as the parent company a couple years ago, and it provides freelance photography work, uh, freelance videography, commercial commercial work, um, product design, and marketing design and, and consultation. So I've got some clients that pay a retainer every month, and I advise them on their marketing. I have some companies that I do design changes to, hey, put a zipper here, put a pocket here, change the color to this. Um so in the catfishing world, and that's where a lot of this catfishing stuff came from is the Johnny Utah creative side. And um, like right now I'm staring at, I've got a bid to do for 717 Armory in Harrisburg or Mechanicsburg. Are they Harrisburg or Mechanicsburg? It's kind of in between. Yeah, right there on the line. I, I would say they're closer to Mechanicsburg, but that's neither yep. here nor there. So I've got, a, I've got a video project coming up um, with Patrick over there. Um, I've got a nocturnal nation hook, uh, video project to do coming up. Um, they're in Indiana. So 
in between my hunts, um, you know, I still, still keep pretty busy outside of the, my traditional world. Hell, I've even done gas line projects for, for some companies. Um, we did a kitchen cabinet project with a company. So it's kind of all over the area and, you know, photos are photos, videos are videos, marketing is marketing. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the techniques and strategies applies to different industries. And I've never wanted to kind of pigeonhole myself to one category because like, what if it goes away? You know what I mean? Um, and again, I think keeping yourself versed in other industries, there's a lot of things that play over, you know, Oh yeah. a lot of the things that are being done in the hunting industry, the automotive industry was doing two years ago. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's what a lot of that kind of stuff um, it is. But, uh, and I know tomorrow I've got some drone video work to do with a realtor that's, you know, <laughs> got a, a land project going on and he needs some drone flyovers um, for the, for the auction land auction coming up. So yeah, I mean, the Johnny Utah Creative kind of fills in the gaps. I mean, I'm not a millionaire, and and I'm by no means killing it in any one business, but you put all three together, and it's ramen noodles with hot sauce, yeah. baby. Yeah. There you go. I like it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, man. And you just yep. work more hours. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's all you got to do. I love that. I, I think it's a cool thing. I don't know. Can you consider it working more hours when you do gigs like you had last weekend? man, that was like working more weeks, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're fun. You know, they're all so fun in their own way, but yeah, that, that last gig between those three projects, that was like a 13 day run and man, like no exaggeration. I went to bed face first, just like, you know what I mean? Just fell yep. over in bed. I was out. Um, but you know, I was like, okay, Control Alt Delete. We got to reboot the system, and I was just exhausted. Um, the other problem about being on the road like that is when you get home. Now I've got three projects to photo edit, to video edit, and you're right. just trying to dig yourself out of a hole. And you're looking at your clock, and you're like, "Damn, I got to be on the road again for the next project." So yeah, and that's um, where the real time comes in. It does. It does. A lot of people, they what they see is. Oh man, you know, John's out there living the dream. Yeah. At times I am, but they don't see me sitting in the office till two o'clock in the morning every night. Right. Um, in between, you know, the behind the scenes work. So because it's, it, you know, social media, I can't show anybody that side. I got to show them all the cool shit. Right. Right. Nope. No one wants to see <laughs> the boring stuff, the production work, the red eyes staring at a computer screen. Right. Right. Exactly. They yeah. miss that part, especially when they go up, when they say, when a lot of people say, oh, must be nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you just, you, you know, you you got lucky and you're having so much fun. And I'm like, no, like there are parts that are fun, but, you know, I earned this shit. Like it's, it's hard work. And, uh, or the people that say, well, I can do what you do. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give it, give, give her, you know yeah. what I mean? Quit your job and try and do what I do, right? Give up everything, start from scratch, and try and yep. bubble into what what I'm doing. Good luck. Yeah. I wish you the best of luck, but anybody can do it. You're right. Anybody. anybody, anybody. Yep. Go ahead. I, yep. I dare you. I dare yep. you. And I've told the story before. I mean, I went down to $7. I laid it all out there on the line, 
and and I went down to seven dollars in my checking account and had no money coming in. It wasn't like anybody owed me money. I had seven bucks and didn't know where my next dollar was coming from. And the phone rang, and it's just kept ringing ever since. So, yeah, I mean, it got scary, but I mean, that's to me, you know, that's that's jumping without a safety net. Mm-hmm. When you're pot committed like that, there's no like, hey, mom, help me out here. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. None of this like half in, half out. I was like, it's either sink or swim time, man. Now, bless my wife for like, <laughs> I don't know Agreed. if she quite knew she was marrying a gambler. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I always say uh, if you bet on yourself, you can never lose, but you have to be committed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just fake it. You, you know, and if, you know, you've heard that phrase, fake it till you make it. Right. No, put your balls on the chopping block. There is no fake it till you make it, you know? Yeah. You make it or you don't. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. Cause I, I had like a life mentor and one day uh-huh. we, were, we were drinking bourbon one day at a friend of mine's wedding and he uh-huh. goes to me and he goes, Trev, he goes, you know, it's kind of funny is you know, when you were growing up, you grew, grew up on mac and cheese and hot dogs, right? She goes, wouldn't you like to be eating Flamin' Young sometimes? It's not that bad, right? So just put it all on the line. Try and make Flamin' Young. What's the worst thing that happens? You go back to eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese? Yep. It's not that bad. I go, yep. fuck it. So every time it, things go wrong, you go, what is it? Hot dogs and mac and cheese? Big yeah. Deal. It'll be all exactly. right. <laughs> yep, yep. I That's what I told a buddy the other day. I said, look, man, I've been a rich man. I've been a poor man in my lifetime. A couple of different times over, ramen noodles ain't that bad. And I'll go back to it tomorrow. I don't care. Yep. Because so, you live it and you have a good time, man. And that's all that yep. matters, man. And I, I honestly, you know, I throw it out there, man. I, I challenge everybody to try and go above and beyond, man, and be that the leader instead of being a follower and just try yep. something new and it might work, man. Chase those dreams. I mean, it's so important to try and do it. And it's so cool to watch you do that, man. It's it, over the time it. of me knowing you, man. And you've definitely conquered and moved, yeah. moved mountains, bro. Man, honestly. I appreciate it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's been one of those journeys that it, it's hard to convince somebody of this, but I was getting a little too comfortable at where I was at. And I wasn't, I wasn't a grinder anymore. And man, when, when I got flushed out, then it forced me to get back that hustle, get back that drive, get back that creativity. And, and, and I'm actually glad it did because I feel like I came out on the other side stronger uh, and more diversified, you know? And honestly, dude, like, you're one of those guys that like I could honestly say you're probably the number one person that works the hardest in the industry in my eyes honestly there is there is nobody that grinds more and works harder and 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 just goes at it more than you bro like you're everywhere no matter what you're always out there you're always taking pictures you're always it's it's always constantly something on social media man there's nobody honestly in my eyes that works harder in this industry than you honestly I I appreciate that and the struggle sometime is, um, and, and not that I really, I, I, it's not that I worry about it too much, but I don't care what you, what anybody says, the social media game is a popularity game. You know what I mean? And, and I just put the information out there as it is. I don't try to be anything that I'm not. I just hustle and, and keep cranking out content. 
And I'm like, at what point do I get to become a Kardashian just for a little while? You know what I mean? Like, well, like you're in good shape, but you're missing a few things. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm just like, you know, if I, I really do think that I don't want people to think of me any differently other than I, I do want people to know me as a hard worker. You know what I mean? Yep. And if people genuinely knew that, um, I think that the needle would move a little faster in the way that I'm trying to do things. And, and I've got a lot of other goals that I want to accomplish, but I need things to fall in line. You know what I mean? To get there. Right. So I'm just like, ah, oh, we're just grinding. We're just grinding. It's kind of like when you're saving up, you know, for a new car, I'm like, I'm just saving, I'm saving, but man, I'd really like to buy that some bitch tomorrow, <laughs> but right. You know, um, but no, it's just, keep doing it my own pace. And, you know, if it catches on it, re- if it resonates with people, then, then so be it, you know, is that kind of where like the work more hours things came from a hundred percent. Yeah. My, you know, I did a short film, um, back in 2016, I released a short film and Sitka actually is the, is, uh, the company that used the short film initially on social media. And then since then I've thrown it up on my YouTube channel, but it's, it tells a story about how I have gone about my hunting uh, hobby and obsessions. But I asked my dad when I was a kid, hey, dad, how do you make more money? And he's like, work more hours. You know, there's no get rich quick schemes. And, and I didn't understand it at the time. And I, and I explained it in a short film, but I know what he meant by it. You know, it's work more in your passion, your hobbies, your relationships, your faith, whatever it is, put in the time and one, you'll know that you truly earned it. Um, but also you'll learn a lot about yourself along the way. Just phase everything out in life, the popularity, the haters, whatever the bullshit is, just make sure that you're working for you and for a genuine goal. Um, and everything will sort itself out. So I've applied that mindset my whole life. And then, you know, recently losing my father back in December, um, you know, that was, that was really, really tough on me because my dad, you know, my mom's who gave me my compassion and my dad's the one who gave me my drives and my work ethic. And um, so I have to keep grinding the rest of my life because if I don't, I feel like I let him down. You know what I mean? So um, I was his biggest fan and he was probably my biggest fan. And so that's just the deal. Work more hours, you know, and, and I get people that are like, what do you mean? You're supposed to work smarter, not harder. I'm like, you're totally missing the point. Yep. It's not work more nine to five. It is in general, the word work means put in the effort, put in the time, put in the drive, put in the creativity into all those facets of your life in your work more hours in your happiness. And if going to Starbucks is what makes you happy, then drink the shit out of some lattes. You know what I mean? Like it's just work more hours, work more in yourself. Yep. Well, I mean, it's just like in the military, you, know, yeah. you, you put in work, you know, yep. when everyone, three o'clock in the morning, they're going, what the hell are you doing? You said, I'm going to go do work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just kind of one of those standard things is I got free time. I could be sitting here drinking and bullshitting and playing games where I can go do work. Yeah. 
And that's what we, it's funny, every time right before we would go kick in a door somewhere, the team would get together. We'd have our ops plan that we'd go through frontwards, backwards, have all of our exit routes, hospitals, emergency routes. And then I'm like, all right, boys, y'all ready to go do work? That's right. Yeah. So that's all you do. That's it. It's awesome, man. Well, man, I do have one last question before we wind this thing down. And that is what drives you outdoors? What drives me outdoors? Um, Myself. Yeah. Myself is what drives me outdoors. It's not social media. All the bullshit could go away. The show could go away. Um, I realized when I was a cop, how much the outdoors balanced me out and I was missing that. And um, it created a huge appreciation for the outdoors. So what drives me outdoors is me is, is connecting with the outdoors, trying to make improvements to the land if I can, to conservation if I can. Um, But I think, I think people, I think people have a really, they forget the, there's some caveman barbaric DNA in all of us that we've gotten too comfortable with technology and computers. And I think it's good for the soul and it's good for the human spirit, if nothing else, to spend time outdoors and remember how small we actually really are. We're just a, we're just a friggin' piece of molecule speck, you know, on the earth. So that's what drives me outdoors. Outstanding. Beautiful. And to your point, God gave us eyes up front and canines. Let's use them. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. if you're going to be a predator, be a predator. I have a vegan daughter that I tell that to daily. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, Man, I'm sh- I was like, I'm sure glad you got those canines for splitting those peas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, well, real quick, before, we, before we let you go and get back to the real life, uh, yes, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, man. Um, the hottest spot for me, I guess, to find me the most consistently is going to be like on Instagram, uh, johnny.utah.hunt. There is a Facebook page that corresponds to that, and that's the Johnny Utah Hunt official. Um, Bourbon Barrel Calls, Facebook and Instagram. And um, yeah, if you want to watch some cool hunting stuff and some fishing stuff, be sure to check out Arrow Wild TV on YouTube or Carbon TV. Outstanding. Well, Everybody get over there and check them out and uh, use them as an example. I mean, it's a perfect situation. Go work more hours. That's it. That's all I can say. Do work. So until then, we want to thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. (laughs) 